So unfortunately, we're down to the three of us, but that's okay because we still have a pretty heavy topic. And not heavy as in, like, I'm going to cry, but heavy as in we're probably going to talk for a while. Uh, for a good while. And that's BlizzCon 2019. So BlizzCon 2019 happened not last week, but the week before. And unfortunately, we weren't all together and ready to cover it, so we're covering it right now. But there were only really two games that I thought we may want to talk about, and that's, of course, Overwatch 2 and Diablo 4, unless either one of you are into StarCraft. I've never played Or Warcraft, I've or whatever never, it was. Uh, played them. Yeah, and I, yeah. Played. So, unfortunately, hey, if you're a fan of the StarCraft Warcraft series, I apologize. We're not trashing on it. I've just never like played it. I yeah. never I never really had the opportunity to play it. I can never exactly. afford, like, subscription yeah. MMOs. And, and I'd rather not give an opinion or talk about something without having any of that context there. So I'm sure it looked nice, and I'm sure some people were either excited or pissed, or both. But we recognize that it was a thing, and unfortunately we'll have to move on to something that's a little more... Our speed. Controversial, I would say. Mm. And that's over Overwatch the wannabe sequel. <laughs> Overwatch the expansion. Yeah. Uh, and we're, we're a little late, I know. We're a little late, and a lot of other YouTubers have been talking about this, and they're probably going to say the same thing that we were saying. And I promise that what we're about to say isn't based off of what other YouTube channels or what other streamers have been saying about Overwatch. This is 100% coming from our hearts and our minds. So take it with that and don't feel like this is influenced in any way by the people who we watch. So, Overwatch 2. I'm going to try to not be very negative, and I'm going to try to be serious with it, but I want to ask real quickly, are you hyped, excited, meh, or eh towards it? Santi? I'm eh. I honestly couldn't really care. I, I might have cared a little bit if they, I guess, presented it in a better way, mm -hmm. or if they just weren't trying to get people's money for for something they people players have been asking for for a long time now since the game yeah. came out i feel it francis meh meh yeah not eh no just meh meh okay i never really thought about it yeah i mean <laughs> and and that's okay uh for me it's tough because part of me wants to say meh part of me wants to say eh uh, and for people who can't really differentiate the two, meh is leaning towards I'm interested but not interested. And eh is just it happens. You know, you announce something and I don't care. And for me, I'm kind of in between those two. Uh, the excitement or at least the, the perking of my ears and eyes for Overwatch 2. Ugh, it still hurts me to say that. Uh, is mostly the fact that they're finally bringing in the thing that I've been saying they needed since the very beginning of the introduction of these characters. Story. They needed yeah, stories. Yeah. And the way that they're going about giving us story, I feel is very poor. And I feel like it's Blizzard trying to be okay. special. Activision Blizzard. Let's get that straight. You're right, yeah, 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 yeah. Activision Blizzard. Because Blizzard stopped being Blizzard a long time ago. This is true. Yeah, so Activision Blizzard. Uh, I Blizzard for short, just because saying Activision Blizzard so many times is going to probably tire me out. And I don't think I have enough water to get me through that. But the problem that I've been having ever since the reveal, and it gave me a second, I had to give myself a second after watching the show where they were talking about it when they, uh, they were at BlizzCon, I had to give myself, give myself a second to think, because I had to think back to something that Jeff had said, and he said that this is not going to be an ordinary sequel. Like, they're trying to redefine what it means to be a sequel. Now, hearing that, that sounds cool, and I can respect that, 
from a creative standpoint. But what was presented to me was not a new form of a sequel. It, in my eyes, and I said this since it was announced, and I've talked to you guys about this pre-podcast, mm-hmm. and I will continue to talk about this till I see anything that can change my mind, but it's an expansion. It's yeah. literally an expansion. And the thing that makes me upset about how they're trying to phrase it and how they're potentially going to sell it to us, because they'll sell it to us like it's a sequel, which means they can potentially sell it to us for $60. I ain't buying that for $60. Yeah. I ain't buying it for $40. I'll probably buy it for $30. Maybe even 20 Depends on how much of the story stuff is coming, though. Because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to completely crap on it and be like, ugh, you're giving me it as a sequel, and but all the story is there, and they have all this content, but I don't care, because you said it's a sequel. Like, I want to give it a chance, and I'd actually like to try it out, because that's what I wanted this entire time. I wanted it to be a story surrounding these fantastic characters. Like, I love designing characters. I love drawing characters. I love breaking down characters within media itself. So to see these characters finally get a story where their personalities can shine makes me very giddy and very excited. But at the same time, what was stopping you from just dropping it into the first game? Now I understand from, at least from my understanding of what was said, they're using a updated version of the graphics engine that they were using for Overwatch 1. So, okay, that's cool and all, but still, a sequel? And what pisses me off, not pisses, I don't want to say pissed off, but what just makes me upset and very riled up is how the multiplayer aspect is being handled. And I think that's why a lot of people are calling it an expansion and not a sequel. And I apologize now because I'm probably going to be talking for a lot of this just to give some like background about everything, but I would love to get your guys' opinion when I finish up just so I can gauge how everyone's feeling. Because the way that the multiplayer was talked about is that it'll be coming with a new multiplayer mode called push and pull, which is basically tug of war with a robot who literally will push like what looks like a cargo load from one side to the end. And then when the other team is taking the lead, it looks like the robot literally turns around and pushes it the other way. So it's a neutral machine. It doesn't have any like team alliance or anything like that. That Um, sounds like a catch up mechanic. I mean, not even a catch up mechanic as it is more, it sounds like an ex- like an excuse to say that we have something new for multiplayer in our se- quote-unquote sequel. Um, and the thing with that is it's like, okay, that's one thing. You know, if it was just Overwatch 2 story by itself, no multiplayer, then, yeah, I would probably look at it as a sequel and say, okay, yeah, I'll buy it as a full-price game. But when they included the multiplayer, I was like, hmm, something's off about this. And then in addition to that, they were like, all of your previous skins from the first Overwatch game, and I was like, oh boy, Jeff, hit me with the good stuff. He's like, we'll carry over to the second game. And I'm like, oh yeah, that's there you go. That's how most sequels should do things. If you unlock some customizable stuff in the first game and you're playing with the same character or characters, bring that stuff back. Because you've worked really hard to earn it. Maybe it was just given to you for free, who knows. But you earned it for some of them. Let me have them. But then... He started talking about how there are characters in multiplayer. So, of course, we're going to get new characters with Overwatch 2. That's par for the course. If we didn't get new characters, I'd be really confused. And also, with new characters means new maps. Cool. Typical sequel thing. You know, when a new fighting game comes out, typically we get new fighters and we get new stages, typically. Sometimes that doesn't always happen. But the problem 
is that the new characters and the new stages are all playable on Overwatch 1. So, cool, we get our costumes and stuff from the first Overwatch and the second game. Alright, cool. We get a story mode. Fantastic. We get new characters and we get new levels. I'm liking this so far. But also, the new characters and the new stages are playable for those who bought the first game. Really? So then, how is this a sequel then? Because typically what happens with a sequel is it's an improvement or an expansion so far into the first game that they have to make a new game for it. And usually that means leaving the first game behind. That means everything that you've done now moves forward with you and we carry on together on this new boat. It's like leaving the docks and getting onto a ship for a cruise. The problem is it feels like we're getting off of one cruise ship onto another cruise ship that just happens to have an extra deck that has desserts that the other one didn't have. How is this a sequel again? And that's what makes me upset about this. Is It's like it's being handled in a way I don't like. And it's being talked about in a way that I don't appreciate. And again, if it was just the single player aspect of it, and they sold it as Overwatch 2, I probably wouldn't have been as upset. I would buy it. I would play it. But it feels like there's no reason for me to leave Overwatch 1 then, unless I want to play the story. But for people who either A, never played Overwatch 1, B, had a disc copy on their PlayStation and sold the disc copy, or any number of things that you would have done when you were getting the game, it feels like now I have to pay almost full price again to get the story and the multiplayer back that I didn't really even care about. And I'm sure it's probably going to exclude some game modes, or maybe it won't. Maybe it'll add new game modes. But nothing makes it feel like a sequel. And that's why I wanted to like talk to you, because I think, Francis, you've played Overwatch before, right? Nope. You haven't before? So, this is going to be interesting to get your opinion, but Santi, I know you've played Overwatch before because I you and I... my copy. Yeah, you and I played on... We played on PC together, actually, with um, with the squad. On PC? I think we... No, no, PS4. No, no PS4. You're right, we played on PS4. Because I have... Um, I have... I got... I have the PS4 version. I still have it. Yeah. And, like, but what drew me in was the characters mm-hmm. and like the interactions they have when they're fighting other characters or when they have specific characters on their team on their team on certain maps and so what got me is that I care about the story I think it's a really interesting story and in seeing how all the characters affected each other mm-hmm. and they're basically charging me another f- they're probably gonna they're definitely almost definitely gonna charge you dollars for this I don't think so I think they'll probably charge us 40 I wanna say 40 if they do charge us 60 come on first of all Blizzard's gotten a lot of backlash in the past year and a half. Maybe even further than that. I think they're just a little smarter than that to charge $60 for this thing. I mean, but like, ever since, like, I forget who the, like, main founders of Blizzard originally were, but ever since, they're all basically gone now. And since then, Activision has taken over more and more and more. You know, everybody's heard about all the layoffs. Mm-hmm. And all the companies just laying off employees and they don't even need to when they've had a, records and profits for the year. And Activision is completely greedy. You saw what they did with Black Ops 3. Yeah. How they promised no microtransactions, mm-hmm. but then added in a month after launch just to avoid the negative reviews. Yeah. All right. Activision is shady and is a greedy, greedy corporation. Mm-hmm. I would not put a pass them to charge $60 for Overwatch 2. And they, and they know people will pay for it because of how much people have been asking for Overwatch Story yeah. for so long now. 
And every time they release like an animation for new characters, or they say they explain the lore, people go crazy over it. Yeah. And I think that's the unfortunate thing is I don't want to see that happen where they're charging $60 for it because there's this fine, fun fighting game called Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite. And that's a sequel. Like, you're going to talk about what a sequel is? That's a sequel. But the problem with Infinite, though, was the whole roster situation. It had a very rocky launch. It had a very sucks. rocky launch with its roster. But the thing about it was people still bought it because of potentially their character being in there, whether it was when they first bought it or later, they were hoping it'd be later. Um, and just because of the fact that it was another addition to a really great series. And the thing about that is, at the end of the day, I was a part of the bandwagon that was like, boo, anti-MVCI. I, mean, I, I definitely hated on it, too. Yeah, I, I was uh, the bandwagon against MVCI, and then we played it, and we were like, this is really fun. Thank you, Xbox Games Pass, hashtag not sponsored. Yeah, hashtag not sponsored. But also, it gave us the opportunity to play it without having to pay for it, and now I pay and for it's it. It's super fun. Yeah, I bought it's it on my PlayStation. a lot of fun. Yeah, really the mechanics it. of it are really great. It's just lacking on characters. It is a great fighting game. The roster is just nowhere near what it should be, especially looking back at how great MVC2 was. Yeah, but at the end of the day, though, even though I bought it, I definitely didn't buy it for $60. That's true. And even when I did buy it, the DLC by itself cost you, like, almost half, if not the entire game all over again. And that's with Overwatch 2. It's like, okay, you're giving me this thing. You're potentially going to charge me $60 for it. I better be getting $60 worth of stuff then. Like, this, the story mode should not take me 10 hours, mm -hmm. is something I would say. It shouldn't take me 10. And I know that they're introducing more mechanics, because so there's hero missions, which I really like that, because it's giving me this feeling of Marvel vs. Or not Marvel vs. Capcom, Marvel Ultimate Alliance. It's giving me this feeling of Marvel Ultimate Alliance, where you can take characters from different factions and stuff like that, team them up into a mission that has a specific theme, and just go for it. Uh, but it feels like we're also being limited with the story of Overwatch as well. Because I went ahead and looked at some of the, the stuff that they were doing during the presentation, and I don't know, because you never played Overwatch, Francis, but you got to play Overwatch. Did you get to play any of the PvE stuff that they dropped? Uh, no. I stopped playing Overwatch long before that. Okay. They started dropping that. So when they dropped the PvE stuff, there were specific characters you were allowed to play as, for a certain mission. I, I know what they're about because I, I watched streams of it. Yeah. But I personally didn't play it. So the thing for me is when it came to the Overwatch story mode, it felt like at any given time there would only be four heroes to choose from. Uh, and I was like, this kind of hurts and I hope that's not true and I hope that's just because it's a tutorial mm -hmm. and not because every mission will lock you to just four heroes. Because for me... If Genji's going to be a part of the Overwatch team for this story mode, and I unlock him, say, after the second mission or whatever, I would like to play the entire game as Genji, especially since they're talking about you get to level up your heroes, you get to customize your hero's abilities and things like that. I'm like, okay, this is really starting to sound very Marvel vs. or I keep saying Marvel vs. Capcom, but Marvel Ultimate Alliance, like, you know... Your character has these powers. You can upgrade their powers. You can focus on specific powers if you want to. Some of them have really cool alternate costumes, so you can change the costume. Man, it would be really cool if I could play with my Overwatch League skin on one of the heroes in story mode. You know, like, giving us this full creative freedom. Because it's not like having... It's not like the skin's going to have any merit when it comes to how the story runs. 
And if it does, then that's cool. That means you're giving me a really cool character design based on parts of the story. So I'm really... I, I'm, I'm sitting between the meh and the eh only because of the fact that I just need to see more. I need to see what makes it feel like a sequel. What's when up? you say story and then you don't want it to be 10 hours, you mean you just want a short story? No. We want it to be longer. Want it to be longer. More. Okay. Yeah. And by longer, I don't mean subspace emissary from Smash Bros. Brawl. Just more more, more content. Yeah. Because the thing about it is they... How long are typically the animatics... Or not animatics, the animations. They're about like... They're like less usually than five minutes. Usually five to seven minutes. And, it depends. and there's a lot of story within those animations themselves. Hopefully the story isn't just a bunch of animations clipped together with like battle happening in between. Like I'm hoping it's a really big content. And the thing about it is it's also confusing because lore is very important to the fans and the players of Overwatch who care about the characters, not so much the competitive aspect. And it's really hard for me to place because you call it a sequel. And sequel means a follow-up. It means but it's, it it's it's already hard after. to place the 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 timeline of Overwatch's yeah. story because it's like okay, so is this is this when the Omnic Crisis? This is the first Omnic Crisis. Is this the second Omnic Crisis? Are we gonna see something like Dragon Ball or with uh, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, where it's going to be oh, yeah. not just the early section of certain parts, or is it going to be like an entire storyline? Because with Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, it looks like we're getting from Goku's beginning. All the way to the Boo Saga. For now, they might be coming out with more stuff. I hope they do. Oh, but for for Overwatch two, you know, it's like, are we gonna see pre Overwatch before it was shut down? Because the new character who got released, and unfortunately her name escapes me right now, uh, and I apologize for anyone who's super big Isn't with Overwatch. What'd you say, Sojourn? I think. I think yeah, I think it's Sojourn. Um, She's in the like the what we would consider to be the old Overwatch team's photo. People who were the Overwatch team before it got shut down. So my thing about that is, okay, if you're going to show her in that photo, are we going to be able to play with that team? You know, are we going to be able to play Overwatch pre-disassembled? Pre-dissolution. Yeah, before they broke apart. Are we going to get to play as them when they come together? And are we going to, you know, are we going to be able to play with them as we get to where they are today? Today being where we see them in the first Overwatch game. So that's that's what it is for me. Is it's like show me more. I need to see more. And granted, they showed us like a forty. It was a forty-two minute panel for Overwatch two, compared to I think Diablo fours was eighteen, nineteen yeah, minutes. Twenty. Yeah. It was like about twenty minutes. So you know, I understand. It's a lot to ask for. But at the same time, if you're trying to sell me a game and you're asking yourself, what do I have to do to make you buy this game? Show me more. I need to see okay. what really makes it At least more from the story. Yeah, more from the story part. Because if you're going to have the multiplayer crossover like that and have your skins crossover like that and things like that, sure, that's fine, that's whatever. Because I'm sure there are a lot of people who play Overwatch competitively who they don't care about the Overwatch story. They just care about being competitive. So they won't buy the game. So they'll stick to the first game. I get that. I understand. You, you're you smart for knowing that majority of your fan base isn't going to leave the first game. Unless there's some kind of incentive. Uh, but you know, if me being the fan base who didn't care about the competitive aspect and cared more about the characters, I need to make sure that if I'm paying $60 for this, I'm getting $60 worth of the game. Because something like Devil May Cry 5, 
even though it was shorter, and I think Devil May Cry 5 was a 10-hour... It was still very much it, worth it $60. Was, yeah, it was packed with content that made it worth $60. And then they gave us Bloody Palace, which made that $60 elongate even further. Because they just gave it to us. Yeah, so... You just gotta give me more, man. Or just give me a Overwatch fighting game. I'll take that too. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole another conversation. <laughs> if you just get or a Blizzard, if you give me a Blizzard All Stars Battle Royale, I you know I'll pay sixty dollars. I'll pay eighty dollars for that. I'll buy the deluxe edition for that to play a Blizzard fighting game. But yeah, you're right. This is a conversation for another time. But um, but yeah, no, Francis. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, man. Man. Yeah, I'm, I kind of lean on your argument. We mm-hmm. need more from the story. Yeah. Would you play it? Why not? If it's a good story, then yeah. I mean, I played Battlefront 2 story. Yeah. I mean, if I played that, I could play you Overwatch could play 2. Overwatch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, with Overwatch 2, would you buy it when it first came out, or would you wait? I would wait. You would wait, yeah. yeah. What about you, Santi? I'm definitely going to wait. Definitely wait, yeah. If, I'm, if I stick to multiplayer, I'll just get the first one. Yeah. Uh, I've already seen that on sale. Yeah. So, why not? I, honestly, for you me... You can have my copy. Okay. If the skins carry over, I probably would just find a way to get another. Well, and that's the thing because I played Overwatch mostly on my laptop. So if Overwatch Two did come out, I would mostly be playing it on my PS Two, which I mean I have our PS Three, PS Four. Jeez, <laughs> you just went through. Gosh, I just went through everything. Um, but I would play it on my PlayStation, and I would find a way to go back and play it, just because I feel like there would have been an easier way to get a lot of skins on the PS Four. Versus trying to run it on my PC. But, and I mean, I'm hearing that, like, Overwatch went on sale, like, on a major sale. And it's like, okay, that's cool. I don't mind that being a thing. But at the same time, if it's going to go on sale for people to play it, to get ready for Overwatch 2, now I'm still really having questions about the whole context of it being a sequel then. Because why don't I just pick up Overwatch 2 and buy all, or not buy, but, you know, play and get all the skins. Just unlock all the skins from the first one in two. And just get, because why am I going to pay for the first and the second game if it takes me so much time already in the first game to get a lot of skins to then have to worry about getting whatever content I can from the second, yeah, no, I'm I'm not doing that. And I mean, on the, what's up? I mean, hey, I've been saying this for a while. I'd rather they give me the option to pay a dollar ninety nine for a specific skin for a specific character than loot boxes. You know, it's still bad, but I'd rather know that I'm willingly paying for, for something I choose. Want. Yeah, and it's and it's cosmetic, so it's not like and that's the one thing about the loot boxes I was never really upset about with Overwatch is that it's all cosmetic. It never none of it was a function, so I never felt like oh man. I need this loot box to give me this thing so that way the next match we win and I just got skins and coins and I was just like, oh, this sucks. But then again, that was also another problem I had though with the loot box was, hey, stickers, emotes, and voice lines and skins. But the problem was when you got duplicates, you got coins that you could spend to get boxes, I believe, that could potentially give you more duplicates. And I hate that. I don't like that at all. I think Dragon Ball Fighters does this kind of like loot box, or for them it's loot capsules mechanic really well, where it's you have regular coin and premium coin. With okay. your regular coin, 
you get access to lobby sticker, lobby characters, stickers, avatars, all these colors and things like that, you know, a, a variety of things. And if you happen to get what could have been a duplicate, you got the premium coin, but you got one. So it was like, oh man. So you would have to get a lot of premium coin before you can use them to get premium content. But when you get that premium content, there's no duplicates. The only exception to you getting duplicates was on like holiday bundles where sometimes I would pay out like all my premium coins and I'd get some like premium Z coins back and I'm like, whoa, hold on. That's not right. And that's but, what, that's just because you're running through the loop. Yeah, you just ran through the loop because all you had to do was press back, go back in and you'd realize, oh, it's because I don't have the option to go through there anymore because I got everything I can. I feel like Overwatch should have done something that was very similar where it's like, all right, you already got this item. Now we're going to push the other item that has the equal chance of getting to you you know, I'm going to give it to you. And then, then if you run out the entire thing, we'll give you coins. But then at that point for overwatch coins mean nothing. So hmm, I think it's something that they have to look into. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I have to wait. Uh, and it's just, I just have to see, I definitely am not going to buy it when it first comes out. I heck, I don't even mind spoiling the story just to see if it's a good story. That's worth me playing. Because a lot of people get upset. They're like, oh, you spoiled it for me. And da, 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 da. Well, the thing about experiencing a story isn't so much of finding out what happens as it is more just how it felt to do three, you know, do certain things within the story itself. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, I can't say that for everything because Devil May Cry 5, for instance, is one of those games where I would never, ever, ever want to spoil the story for anyone. Even though I'm sure people have been spoiled. And Santi, I'm sure you've probably by this point had some spoils given to you because like about the game i mean i know virgil shows up but that was obvious yeah other I mean, than yeah, that i have avoided anything about dmc5 on the internet like the plague yeah and and the thing about it is virgil showing up is not even the biggest shock to come from the game and it's like that's why i keep saying like you gotta play this game like this game you just got some stuff man uh and i want to have that same experience with overwatch 2 like i want overwatch 2 which i still think should have been called overwatch origins or something it shouldn't have been called overwatch 2 I think that would have helped with my feeling of it being a sequel. Uh, if it was just called Overwatch Revolution or something. Anything. If it was called something. Anything other than 2. Any, yeah, anything other than 2. Um, but I mean, yeah. It's, it's, I want the story to be something that I covet like a baby. Where it's like, wow, this story's really good. Hey, no spoilers. No, I, I, no don't spoil Overwatch 2 story. Man, this thing is crazy. Like, I, I want it to feel like that. Because Mass Effect was the same way. Mm -hmm. And what did I like about Mass Effect? The story. So that's the thing is you want me to pay $60 for your game? You better give me a $60 story that's worth coveting like a baby. You live because I allow it. And you shall die because I demand it. No more TV for you. Sovereign! No more games for you. I'm still going to play Mass Effect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so speaking of games and sequels, uh, at least we're getting an actual sequel for this one compared to last year and that's Diablo 4 we're sorry we made Diablo Immortal <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't even get to watch the apology that they gave and honestly I didn't really care because I I'm not gonna be ashamed to say that I'm not the biggest Diablo fan Diablo 3 is the only Diablo I've ever played and that's thanks to John but like John said like when he and I weren't playing together and I powered through it that was it I was done I was like all right that was a fun experience I just think the isometric gameplay of Diablo isn't something that's really for me. 
but I don't know. Santi, you've played Diablo, right? I've played Diablo 3. Uh, Diablo 3 is the one I've played, and I didn't play 2. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that 1 and 2 were very different from how 3 is, mm-hmm. but I really enjoyed 3 because I love the loots. Yeah. I like loots. Um, it is not. It is a very well-known fact that I love the Borderlands franchise, mm-hmm. although I've yet to play 3 because my PS4 broke. Yeah. It'd be like that sometimes. It'd be like that all the time. <laughs> But um, I love loot shooters, even though Diablo 3 is technically not a loot shooter, it's yeah. still in that same vein. It's more like a loot stabby. Yeah. <laughs> unless you're a demon hunter. Oh yeah, unless you're, yeah. That's what that's, I am. That's true. And yeah, and Francis, you got to, because I mean, you and John were playing Diablo 3 here and there. Yeah. Have you played any other Diablo other than 3? Uh, no. No? Just 3 also. So I guess for all 3 of us, 3 was the first one. But I really enjoyed it a lot. And I do get a kick out of the replaying at higher difficulties, oh, yeah. get better loot, yeah. the endless cycle. That was great. Yeah, and this is this is why I'm sad that John, unfortunately, isn't still here in the stream, uh, the podcast for this because th- I think this is where he would have loved. to This is very much John is definitely the biggest Diablo fan. Oh here. yeah, like because we were talking about like nostalgia games, and he was talking about how like Diablo had a really big impact with him and his brother playing it together, and him not being here also is really. I think beneficial for the knowledge of how we as outsiders feel about Diablo 4 because and I don't know if y'all got a chance to watch all this, the presentation and the trailers and stuff for Diablo 4 when it was announced but when I watched the trailer I was I was kind of bored honestly um, I was actually really into it I love I really like the whole vibe it was giving off mm-hmm. the whole atmosphere and how they presented Lilith and the way she made her entrance yeah. I thought it was really cool really well done oh yeah that was just a cinematic, and then I actually watched like the actual like gameplay trailer they mm-hmm. gave. I th- I'm pretty. I mean, I guess it was gameplay, but there wasn't any UI or anything like that mm-hmm. to show off. But like, I think I'm, I'm optimistic. Yeah. I and mean, what about you, Francis? Mm, I kind of wish they showed more from the gameplay, though. Yeah. I mean, the story, yeah, uh, Lilith coming out was finally a good thing. Mm-hmm. But gameplay, I'm wondering if it's the same as Diablo Three. Yeah. Because if. So far, from what I've been playing in Diablo 3, it's easy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah Diablo, I would say the same thing. Diablo 3 is a breeze. Yeah, it felt yeah. very easy. to. And I'm John being my witness, we were playing the Reaper of Souls expansion, and I remember we, or it was even right before the Reaper of Souls expansion, and we had just killed Diablo. And I can't remember what difficulty we were on, but it felt too easy. Especially for being the final boss. Yeah, and granted, I was playing Necromancer, so you know I was playing a very OP character. I was playing as the wizard. But the the point still remains. We were like, this felt a little too easy. And I even asked John. I was like, was this supposed to be that easy? He's like, not really. And so we were like, all right, well, let's bump up the difficulty. So we bumped up the difficulty, went back to fight Diablo, and all that really happened was it just took longer, but it still felt very easy. And the thing about that is I'm hearing a lot of, because I, now that Diablo 4 got announced and they said the iconic words that it is supposed to feel how Diablo 1 and 2 felt as far as like the horror aspect of it and like the darkness and the demented part. And I'm wondering if Diablo 3 shouldn't have been the first one we started off with, if we should have started off with 2. And then played three for like the funsies, looting and killing things and stuff. Like that. I don't even know how we'd go to play two. I don't either. That's why I was, you know, we were talking about like the games that should come to Switch, and I was like, Diablo two could be a fantastic game that can come mm-hmm. to Switch. Um, but I mean, with Diablo four, I, I agree about how Lilith was presented yeah. was very fascinating. 
I really liked it. It was very weird, though, because the fact that apparently, like, the blood of three people was enough to summon well, a creature as big and powerful as I think the, the willing thing is that it was three willing sacrifices. Yeah, willing sacrifices. And no one in their, in their right mind would willingly bring her back. Yeah, I... It's just... It was cool because the fact that this idea of someone so powerful coming through such a thin veil had a very good aesthetic to it in fact for me i had i was questioned because i didn't again like john knows more lore about diablo than any of us do yeah. but for me i was like whoa is are, are they like giving birth to a new like uh what are they called primal i think they were primals is what they were called the like the super powerful beings of oh. demons yeah and so i was like are we about to witness the birth of a primal and more because, like the resurrection or the resurrection yeah because the way that it was presented it looked like it was basically a baby inside of you know the womb or a fetus and i guess a fetus inside the womb if people want to get technical but it was just it was really cool and when john was here before we started the podcast we were talking a little bit about diablo and what potentially could we see with the game and i was talking about how something that i would really want to see in this game that would make me want to play it is the character like the player's interaction with Lilith because in Diablo 3 we were the Nephilim Mm -hmm. and you know there's this whole thing about Lilith and the I believe it was an archangel who she got together with and how they created one of the first Nephilims and it's like okay that's cool now how cool would it be if we were one of Lilith's children and so you're playing through the game and it's just like hello mother dearest I have to kill you now because I feel like that would make a really, really strong, I don't know how to phrase this, without going back to another game. And that'd be Mass Effect. Going back to how it would add emotion to the story. Because there can be this whole thing where Lilith plays with your head. Where she's showing you, whether it's real or fake, just like memories of what it was like when she was raising you or things like that. Or like illusions of what could have been. And it's like, I want my head to be played with in this game. Because if you're dealing with the realm of demons, part of demons and human interaction is trickery. Excuse me. So psychological mind games. Exactly. So if I'm going to play Diablo 4, I want Diablo 4 to trip me out. Like, I don't want it to be a a laid-back experience. Because when I picked up Diablo 3, part of me was a little scared because I felt like I was going to be playing Dark Souls, the isometric game. And then I played it and I was like, oh, never mind. This is just Castle Crashers, but with grittier graphics. And so I'm hoping that if I pick up Diablo 4, then I'm going to have to like actually take it seriously. Like I want it to be given to me, and I want them to tell me, hey, you better take this seriously, or you're not going to have a good time. Prepare to die. Exactly, yeah. But that's, yeah, that's my thoughts on that. Uh, you guys wanted to say anything else? I'm good. I'm I'm pretty hopeful right now, Probably. but I would like to see more. Yeah, hyped, excited, man. Yeah. I wouldn't say hyped, but a little excited. Yeah. A little excited, Francis. Yeah, I'm a little there too. A little excited. Uh, I think for this one, I'm like square middle on the meh, where it's just I've never really been a Diablo fan. The the genre that Diablo fits in hasn't been something that I'm really into because I'm really into RPGs and definitely into fighting games. So. This is really out of my realm, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. So, that being said, 
we're moving on to our final topic for the podcast. And we're talking about seeing, you know, I said, we'll see where this goes. And seeing where things go is usually we look out to space. And when looking out to space, you know, there's this wide expanse of possibilities, things that can happen. We talked a lot about Mass Effect and how Mass Effect, as a space game, I want it to be the space game. And I said that without really thinking about what I was saying, because I forgot that there is a series in space that is the space series. And a lot of people are probably thinking, no, Star Trek, the greatest space series of all time. And to you, I say, you're wrong. Go get some help. Because I'm talking about Star Wars. We're talking about gaming in a galaxy far, far away. And specifically, I wanted to talk about Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Because it comes out next week. And on the scale of the hyped, excited, meh, eh, eh. At first, I was very eh about it. Because not a lot of Star Wars games have been coming out that have really kept my my interest. Or just been good. Yeah. With no controversy. Yeah. You know, it's like... I think back to the last good experience I had with a Star Wars game, and it was... Knights of the Old Republic. No, it wasn't even Knights of the Old Republic for me. It was The Force Unleashed. Yeah. Right, The First Force Unleashed. Yeah, The First Force Unleashed was the last great experience I had with a Star Wars game. So, Jedi Fallen Order, when it was announced, at first... And it wasn't even announced. It was, like, name-dropped. Where it was just like, oh yeah, we're working on a new Star Wars game called Jedi Fallen Order. And it was like... Wow. Alright, that's that's yeah, a way to announce it. Kind of there too. Yeah. So like there was eh for a long time. And even up until like last week, I was still very eh about it. And then I started seeing gameplay. And I was like, ooh. The gameplay does look exciting. This is looking very good. And it, it, it felt like what I always dreamed Star being like in the Star Wars world felt like. And it sucks because for me, being put in a Star Wars game and being told you are this guy kind of sucks because i would always love to customize my character to be me and be myself in the star wars world but all i mean even with the main character that we're being given i can still see myself imprinting you know my I mean, entire person it feels like an uncharted yeah i it uncharted star wars meets god of war it, you could compare it to a lot of things and i think that's what's interesting about it is you can compare it to a lot of things and that's what sets it apart as its own thing and i i this is a jump, but I went from eh to I'm excited. Not so much hyped, not yet. Maybe as we get closer. You know, maybe if Xbox says, like, hey, you know, this game's going to come out on Game Pass, then I'll go from excited to hyped, because it's like, yo, hold on a second. Hold on, boys. Like, not only are we going to play this game, we're playing it on Game Pass, so at least I'm... Because, unfortunately, gaming on a budget. So a lot of new games are coming out, and we'll have a podcast where we talk about, like, games of the year and stuff like that. But it's really hard to talk about games that came out this year that we really got to enjoy because we don't really get to buy a lot of games or because we don't have a lot of time to play these games. So for Jedi Fallen Order, I shoot, I'm excited. I'm getting towards that hype. But how are you two feeling about it? I was also eh until you told me it was a mix of different game styles. Mm-hmm. Like when you said God of War, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> Like, you can just see the eyes light yeah. up where it's just like... Ooh, no, I think you saw my eyes, right? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think people listening can probably feel your eyes where it's like, ooh. When you said there was full customization of your lightsaber... Mm-hmm. That that is, yeah, that's, that's something I think we can say everybody's wanted in a Star Wars game for so yes. long. And I, you know, and I'm not going to say that because, yes, I'm a customization nerd, 
So all you have to tell me is you can customize this thing and immediately I'll look at your game. I'm not going to say that's what drew me into the game, but it's definitely what's holding me there is more and more customization to where I can make the character look like my character. And, um, no, I have to say, I think what I have to say what brings me to this game is how it feels. It feels like a Star Wars game. Like, people will compare, it, it looks like Diablo, or not Diablo, it looks like Dark Souls or God of War meets Star Wars. And the only reason why people say that is because there's nothing else to compare it to. Mm -hmm. You can't say it feels like any other Star Wars game. Because when Jedi Fallen Order first was announced and they were showing us artwork and they were showing us videos, when we first saw the teaser trailer, or I guess the first trailer, I don't know if we would call it a teaser, the question everyone was asking was, is this just going to be another Force Unleashed? And looking at it now, I'm like, no, this is surpassing. This is surpassing the Force Unleashed. And, you know, as a gamer and as a Star Wars fan, that's what I like. Because Force Unleashed gave me something no other Star Wars game gave me. And that was the feeling of swinging a lightsaber and using the Force. And it was great. The closest I could get to that type of feeling was the old PlayStation 2 Episode 3 game. Where you basically played through the story of Episode 3. But even then, it, it just didn't stick. Because I think the technical limitations back then didn't allow me to have the feeling of being in the Star Wars world. So, this game, man, it, it's got me feeling kind of way. So, what I want to know is if this actually, if this fits into the canon of the, of the movies, mm-hmm. because they have the, the, the bounty hunter guy who was in Rogue One. Sol Guerrero. Yeah, he yeah. was like Jyn Erso's like surrogate father. Yeah. He's in there. Yes. And so I'm wondering if they're going to keep it canon to the movies and if that places it before episode four. It is. Okay. Yeah, it is. Uh, and it is, and it opens up this... And Sol Guerrero is one way, but even just the Inquisitors being a part of it is another way. Oh, the Inquisitors way. are in there. Yeah, like the Inquisitors seem to be the main baddies for this game, which is nice, because I think the Inquisitors were something that was really cool in the cartoons for Star Wars. But the problem with the cartoons is, unless you're a true... I mean, even if you are a true, quote-unquote, true Star Wars fan... You either A, don't have time to watch those cartoons, mm-hmm. B, you think they're silly and you don't watch them, or C, excuse me, you just don't have the accessibility to watch these things. So you're missing out on a lot of content because, sidetracking for a little bit, I was talking about how with the current trilogy of the movies that we're looking at right now, they're missing a great opportunity to introduce the concept of the Grey Jedi. And I rephrased that later on, and I said they're missing the opportunity to bring the concept of the Grey Jedi to the mainstream, because the thing about the mainstream is they don't watch the cartoons, they don't know that they exist. If you did watch the cartoons, you would know that a Grey Jedi was introduced to us, and that was Ahsoka Tano. So I'm hoping that with the game, they're able to bring aspects of the cartoons, and even aspects of the universe that's been expanded that we don't even know about, and bring it to a more mainstream area, because... People won't all watch the cartoons. People won't all play the game. But I feel like people are going to talk a lot more about a good Star Wars game than they will a good Star Wars cartoon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. But also full lightsaber customization. So, yes. <laughs> and I really hope it's on the Games Pass. The it's an EA game, so it might not be. Yeah. It might be on the EA Access stuff, but like... But, you know, at, at the end of the day, because we were talking about Overwatch 2. And is it a game that I'd be willing to pay $60 for? Looking at Jedi Fallen Order and asking myself if I would pay $60 for it, the answer is yes with a condition. 
And that condition is I need to see, and this is kind of, a, this is such a Malik thing, but I need to see how far the customization goes. Because I don't want to pay $60 for a game that I will experience the same experience as everybody else, where it's you are this character, this is your mission, do the story, and that's the end. Like, you if want, I'm gonna do, you want a, an experience that's unique to you. Yeah, and not that doesn't necessarily mean like a different ending or anything like that. And I'm not asking for there to be like Renegon or Par Paragon or Renegade. Like, Renegon. And, hey, Naruto can be a part of this as well. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, I'm not asking for you know, Paragon and Renegade like Mass Effect where it's like you can join the Sith or you can join the Jedi and all this other stuff. You know, it can be a straightforward... The ending could literally be our character dies. Potentially that could be what the ending may be. Or it could just be the ending with... I believe it was The Force Unleashed 2 where it was like he's dead but also he's like the martyr for the resistance oh, or the, the rebels not the resistance was it the first one yeah okay so it was the first one because two is when he gets cloned that's right and he goes on his little revenge scheme to find out who am I and why did you do this to me and where is my love interest Jen Erso right that was the pilot was it Jen Erso no 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 Jen Erso is from Urso. Rogue One uh, <laughs> the, 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 oh gosh what's the pilot's name I, I forget her name I can't forget I, Jen Erso was just the first thing that came to mind um yeah, I know, but I mean, they could do something like that, where it's like, hey, you're dead, or maybe you're not dead, and you're helping to build the resistance. I don't care. Yeah. All I care about is, one, can I have a black lightsaber? Yeah. Can <laughs> I have a dark saber? Please. Can I have a red lightsaber as a, as a Jedi? Please. I would, man, I don't care about having a red lightsaber as a Jedi, because they, I don't know, it's whatever. Anyone can, can easily. a purple lightsaber. Well, they're bringing back the orange lightsaber as canon. They are? They are, yeah. It's, it's a pre-order bonus. Of so course it's a pre-order bonus. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know, I know. But the thing is, it's becoming it's canon. canon. Just like Gogeta. So if that's becoming canon, and we already know the black saber is canon, and the white saber is canon because it was the, the Temple Guards. Oh, the yeah. Temple Guards had the white sabers. So that's why I'm like, are we going to get all the colors of the sabers? Can I have a black saber? Can I have a black saber with a cross guard? Question mark? Like, Please. Kylo Ren with black saber? You know, and and the thing about it is, I don't just want the colors and I don't want the effects. What I want is, I want to see how it affects things. To have different, like, gameplay aspects yeah. of different colors. Yeah, like, if I'm using a black saber, does it disintegrate my enemies? You know, if I'm using a special type of red saber, does it suck life force from my enemies. It doesn't have to be canon to the actual Sable color itself. I just think it would be cool. For them to have like different effects so yeah. that way it's it's not so superficial. Exactly. Blue lightsaber can have, you know, greater lightsaber strength. Green could have greater force powers because that's kind of how things were where blue you were a knight and you were good at fighting. Green you were a master, you were good with the force, you know. Give us some stuff. It doesn't have to be canonical. Just give us something cool. But I mean, hey, out of the games that we talked about today, this is the game I'm excited for. So, we'll see what happens next week when uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order drops on, I believe, PlayStation and Xbox. I don't think it's on PC. But then again, I'm not a full-fledged PC gamer, so I'm kind of just a casual. But... I'm a filthy casual. Eh, there's nothing wrong with yeah, that. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> It'd be like that sometimes. I'm It'd be like wondering... that all the time. <laughs> I'm just wondering if it's like capable of replayability. Yeah. Like if it's that good yeah. enough to make me replay it. Well, I mean, it what, does look good. What would you need from it to make it worth playing again? 
good combat. Combat? Yeah. Or because like I was watching like the gameplay demo and they like they went to this spot for them to meditate that opened up into like a skill tree. Yeah. But they didn't really uh, go into the skill tree. That's true. So maybe the replayability comes from trying out different playstyles. Yeah. And that would be really nice if there's like no way for you to get every single skill, so you have to play different times to do that. But then again, it. I would hope then that it means that every time you use different sections of the skill tree, the game feels different to play then. Because I know right now the way they're talking about it is it's that game that you just can't rush in and go ballistic and just slice on everyone. And part of me is like, well, why can't I do that? Like, why can't one of my, my runs of the game just be me ballistically killing every trooper that I see in my wake? Why can't one of them just be me passively using the force all the time? You know, why am I restricted to you have to be cunning, sleek, slim, and quick with your strikes? You know, I, I mean, I, nothing wrong with that. It's a Star Wars game, and it doesn't look like trash. So I'm excited. I'm also wondering if you could, like, replay it and have all your previous skills. I enjoy oh, that. I enjoy that. As a new game plus with more yeah, difficult enemies. Yes. That would be that nice. That would be nice. Because I, I, I think... That. That would be it, tight. Would, it would be fun in a game that looked like that. Exactly, yeah. yeah. In a game that's very technical like that, too. Because yeah. it, it's like playing God of War again from the very beginning, but having every single thing yes. that you've unlocked. You know, a lot of people will be like, oh, that's not fun, you're overpowered, and, da, da, da. and it's like, you know what, okay. use some imagination. You get to walk around like a walking god, and it's like, oh, you, remember how you gave me struggles the first time I fought? Flick! <laughs> Behold. Be gone, fought. I am the harbinger of your destruction. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the reason why I replayed God of War over and over. Yeah. And it, and it would just feel great, too, because it's like, it. I'm very pessimistic, and I'm the edge deity. But I am all for a game where it's like, you're supposed to be like the hope for the resistance in Star Wars. Because Star Wars is the one time where if I'm playing a game and I'm forced to be the good guy, I'll at least enjoy it because it's Star Wars. So if, I, if I'm if i forced to be the good guy and I get to do a new game plus as a mega powerful good guy, oh man. It's like, I destroy you in the name of the resistance. Ugh. So... That's yeah. I think, I think, I think Force Unleashed also did that too, huh? I'm not. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure. I'll I don't because I remember replaying that over and over again too, and I never replay a game. See, you can I, keep all your I never replayed Force Unleashed. I just beat it, found out that there was an alternate ending, and just looked up the alternate ending. Oh, I I did both. Oh, see, you yeah, you were one of the you were one of the greatest gamers I've ever seen. Because oh, I could I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Well, with that being said, is there anything that you two would like to add? You go first, Francis. I can't. I think too slow. <laughs> hmm. Always remember, these hands are rated E for everyone. And this is why we don't let Santi do closers. <laughs> that's our that's our slogan. It's our tagline. We can't say it all the time. Gosh darn it! Watch me. No. I've only said it twice. Uh, I think we should have at least like one soundbite that we could use. We'll leave that up to the fans. I'm not trying to add any more chaos to what's already a chaotic group of four that okay. can easily conquer an entire nation with all of our nerd talk. I apologize for the people who are listening to this. Is well, that a JoJo's reference? We'll save the JoJo's reference for later when we're bigger and more people watch us. I do have anime music. We're not doing this. Come on.
Okay, well, I mean, I, I guess... I have it as background music. I guess, speaking of anime, I guess we have to do this. Uh, we, we we have to do this. We can't close a podcast. And it, it's funny that John's not here, because John probably is, like, the one person that's just, like, shaking his head if he's listening right now, where he's like, I cannot believe... These I cannot fools. believe these fools are doing this, but... One tradition that we would like to have at the end of every Gauntlet of Gaming podcast, <laughs> and it's not gaming related, sometimes it can be, and we would like to consider it our so it's our waifu there. of the week. <laughs> <laughs> and I regret saying that. We have to vote. We, well, for today, it could just be a discussion. Okay. And just throw it out there and just talk about it. I don't want to spend too much time talking about our waifu of the week. Well, since I brought up Blue Dragon today, I'm going to go with... Uh, Zola from Blue Dragon. Zola from Blue Dragon. What about you, Francis? Rotalia. Rotalia. Wow, that's not what I was expecting. But all right. She's a good girl. Eh. I mean, she's our sword. I, I brought up Final Fantasy, and a lot of people would say Tifa. Sephiroth. No, no. First of all, <laughs> Sephiroth is a husbando. He's a waifu. He's not a waifu. No, Cloud's a husbando. No, no, no. Cloud. No, Zack's a waifu. Yeah, he is. <laughs> Zach is, we protect Zach. Uh, but no, I mean, so for me, when it comes to waifu, I think of a female character that I cherish, that I would protect with my life, and not so much what a lot of other not appropriate people would do with their life. And if I'm thinking of a character who would be my waifu of the week, I would have to say Aerith from Final Fantasy VII, or Aerith, depending well, on you who you Well, you failed miserably. What do you mean? Oh. I, I, yo, hold on. <laughs> the remake hasn't happened yet. <laughs> we might get a chance. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> Shut up, Santi. <laughs> wait, you're right. No, we won't because it won't happen in the remake yet. Exactly. We have to wait for part two. Oh, man. No, I, I, I say Aerith. And I only say Aerith because of the fact that I think out of the three of ours that we threw out there, she's the most well-known by more people. I think she's oh, most appreciated probably. by more people. And let's be honest. And if you have never played Final Fantasy VII, I apologize right now, but I'm about to tell you one of the biggest spoilers in gaming history. And if you don't know it by now, but it's and, so iconic. And How it's, it's very iconic. Kind of, if it. you like Final Fantasy and you don't know about this spoiler, I don't know how to help you. And at this point, you could just stop the stream, stop the podcast, stop listening, stop watching. However, you're doing this, but in Final Fantasy VII, when Aerith dies. By the hands of our good boy Sephiroth, uh, it's rip all that time and experience he put into it. Well, the thing is, yeah, some people were mad. They were mad. They were like, "Oh, what the heck? I didn't get any warning, and I lost all this stuff." And that. But I felt a lot more people were emotionally hurt. And the thing for me is, when it happened, so Final Fantasy came out when I was born, like the year I was born. So when that now hit happened, knows how old we are. It's whatever. They can sue me. Um, oh, I'm suing you, alright. It's, it's fine. It'd be like that sometimes. But when it came out, unfortunately, I was not old enough to see everyone's reactions. But the great thing about Final Fantasy VII is that people were playing that game for the first time. Like, they're, the, the quote-unquote, this is my first time playing Final Fantasy VII, happened for years. It's still happening to this day. There are people who are like, I've never played Final Fantasy before, and I see that there's this cloud guy in Smash. Should I play Final Fantasy VII? And it's like, yes. yes and they're playing Final Fantasy VII for the first time, and Aerith dies, and they're like, I wasn't Yo, hold on a second now. Character. Yeah, and they're like, hold on a second now. Is this hello, Tear? Why are you there? 
And that's my thing is we were talking about how Morden Solis, you know, hurt our heart. You know, spoiler, when Morden Solis dies in Mass Effect 3, though he doesn't have to, he, you know, you could let him live. I'm not going to tell you how, but you can't let him live. Um, him dying was like a shockwave to me. But, but, but it hurt my heart because, like, at the, at, at the same time, it's like, he died, but he he also died finally seeking what he wanted the entire time, which and, was redemption. And Santi, Aerith died saving the world, or at least trying, to save the world. She did not contribute to the problem that Shinra and the rest of the world had contributed to, yet she let herself die. Of the all attempt. the characters in Seven, she she was probably the only one that could say she was truly innocent. Yeah, and, well, Aerith says some things, but still, like... I mean, she says some naive things. That's There you go. Yeah, that's true. She says some very naive things. And that's why it's just like, when I think of a waifu, you know, that character you have to protect with your life. Now, I'm never getting a body pillow. Like, if you're listen- <laughs> if any of you are listening to this and you're thinking about sending me a body pillow, don't. Please don't. Please I'll do. I'll burn it. It'll be hilarious. Stop. No. Uh, but I will neither confirm nor deny that if you send me a body pillow of Cloud that I probably would keep it. I'm not. I'm not. Don't, don't do that. He'll keep a Sephiroth one. Um, <laughs> but you know, if I'm thinking of a character who I would want to protect with my life, even though it's very weird because we're human and they're fictional, but it doesn't matter because it's waifu. I mean, people get attached to animals, so yeah, people get attached to plants. People get attached to anything. Francis, stop touching that chair. <laughs> I'm sitting on. That's it. a very curvaceous chair, though. Stop it. <laughs> we're not taking it this far. But no, you know, I, I. And also keeping it, because we're the gauntlet of gaming and talking about gaming and keeping it with a gaming character, you know, she wasn't the first character I shed a tear over, but she was definitely a character who I felt the entire world was affected by her death. And that's why I, I would say for this week at least, for our like initial waifu of the week, the first waifu of the week mm-hmm. should go to Aerith. I mean, Starting off strong. no one knows who Zola is, even though she's best girl, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Starting off strong. Starting off strong, yeah. Okay. And that sets the bar pretty high, because that means that whoever our waifu of the week is following that... Samus. They, <laughs> we stand for a queen, and Samus is definitely that queen. Uh, but you, it just sets the bar. You know, Aerith is Aerith is both best girl and queen. And rest in peace. I so hope we can keep her alive in the remake. Uh, I maybe. really hope so. <laughs> I don't want to live through that trauma again. Because the thing with the remake is, unless they spoil that there's a part in the game where Aerith is no longer with us, we won't know if there will ever come a time. And granted, remake is only for Midgard. Like, it's the only, it's the Midgard section. But for, like, remake part two, whenever it comes out, if we have no idea that Aerith can or can't die, it's going to hurt again if we find out there's no way to save her. Because it's like, you subverted my expectations twice! <laughs> I can't do that! So I think it'd be like really just cruel for them to like say there is a way, or like imply that there is. Yeah. And for there to hopefully not be a way. I don't think they're going to be like that. I, I kind of want them to be, I though. think they appreciate the fans too much to do something. I want to see some despair. Okay, Sephiroth Jr. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with all that angst getting out of your system, I just want to say thank you so much for everyone who's been listening to this podcast. I understand that it's it's pretty hefty. You know, it's almost a two-hour-long podcast. Is it's it really? Yeah. yeah. It's about two hours. 
Yeah. So much for keeping it at 40 minutes. <laughs> there was a lot of good discussion. And, and that's what I appreciate. I appreciate this being a good outlet for us to to talk. And I'm sure it's going to get shorter as we go further in and there's not going to be as much to talk about. But for those who made it to the end, I really appreciate it. Deep down from the bottom of my heart, this is something that a lot of us were never really expecting to take seriously. And to see it kind of happen is very... It's, it's impressive. I'm having a great time. It, yeah, I don't... I don't think there are words to really to to, to see something that I've always I guess thought of doing, but to actually go and do it is completely different. Is a completely different and new feeling. Yeah, I mean for me it's always you see these professional people who they look like they have everything together. They're making it work. They're you know they're getting paid all this money or they're doing all these things and they look the cleanest and all that. And for us to do something that I thought only people like that can do, I think is it's empowering. I think it's very empowering, and it, it plays on this idea of if you want to do something, and you really want to do it, just do it. Like Nike says, just do it. Hashtag or Shia LaBeouf. Sponsored. Yeah, hashtag, <laughs> hashtag not sponsored by Nike or Shia LaBeouf. But also, Nike and Shia LaBeouf, if you want to sponsor us. Oh, that'd be great. I mean, I do have a lot of Nike stuff. <laughs> Nike, you, Nike, you make shoes that fit me, so... Man, imagine a Nike controller. Oh. Nike will be in contact. Uh-huh. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Francis, and Francis, as we speak, is wearing a Nike shirt. But, yeah, Francis, is there anything yeah. you'd like to say before we close out? This was nice. I didn't talk much, I know, but I'll contribute eventually. <laughs> hey. Oh, like PS5. I want to talk about that. Oh, sure. yeah. Oh, we may have to talk about the PS5 next time. Actually, oh my, yeah, next time. Next time, yes. <laughs> next podcast. <laughs> so it sounds like next time we will be talking about the PS5. For now, we don't know what the future holds. We'll see. But the future literally is in your hands and also in your ears. So thank you again for listening to the Gauntlet of Gaming. Again, I've been Malik. Oh, Francis. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been Santiago. And uh, John... Was here, and he would love to say thank you as well. I'm sure he really appreciates everyone who's listening. And with that being said, remember that these hands are rated E. For, For everyone! everyone.